You would think that I lived in a lovely, quiet place. But clearly, with all the background noise, this is clearly not the case. What a disgrace. Good heavens, can you believe we're on episode three? Now, it took me, what, 15 months, 18 months, I can't remember, between episode one and official episode one, and here we are, to the letter, delivering every Wednesday at 6pm, because that's the time I decided, um, an episode about things and stuff and whimsical ideas, because that's just the kind of person I am. So, uh, it's a little bit different today, because I'm recording in my living room, because as you could hear with my little, uh, impromptu poem my bedroom sounds like a war zone um with the neighbors playing music and outside either drilling cutting or whatever ing um outside and no amount of closed windows is helping that situation so i'm here with my cat um he's licking himself in the sun so if you hear random meows in the background or you know the usual icarus stop then you know it is my bold and very naked uh, Catius Overlord trying to vie for attention as usual. So today's subject, I felt uh, it kind of started up last week after posting episode two, and it's the idea of um, tenacity. You know what what it means to be tenacious. I think I think the word tenacious is a very very fun word. Um, I initially got introduced to it by way of Jack Black and Tenacious D, um, and uh, because my memory is about as great as a goldfish, why are you recording my my? No, Google Voice is so weird sometimes. Uh, tenacious. Let's do this before she starts saying weird things. Tenacious. Um, so by definition, let me get let me get a good old definition. Tenacious. I'm being no, go away. Okay. Uh, it's an adjective tending to keep a firm hold of something, clinging or adhering closely. Uh, another one not readily relinquishing a position, principle, or course of action, determined, persisting in existence, not easily dispelled. Now the last one, persisting in existence, not easily dispelled, kind of uh, relates very, very firmly with um, me, I guess, if, if, if we're, if we're going to be honest, because it's my show. Um, the idea of being tenacious is something that has uh, basically been the underpinning I suppose, artifact, underpinning element in my existence. The, you know, it, I, I said like last year or something, I was going through one of these like five day challenges and I, and I did one with um, the idea of public speaking because that's something I maybe want to do at some point. And um, the art of tenacity, or the art of being tenacious is something that I was kind of spitballing with because I have many stories. Um, I might share some with you today if they if they spring up um, on, on being tenacious. Like, you know, when it comes to being human, um, there's no field manual. You know, you're born, you have other older flesh bags that look after you, 
you learn life lessons and things, you go through some weird arbitrary um, education system or something, and at the age of 18, you're told to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life, then you go to study the thing that you need to do for the rest of your life at university, make some very poor life choices at university, don't regret any of them. And then, you know, you get carted off into the world, and if you believe the traditional lineage, um, you find a mate, you mate, and the cycle continues. So you, you make a little a littling, and from the littling, you know, you push them to do the same thing. But thankfully, in the current day and age, that's not common. Well, I can't say commonly, because um, people are still uh, prescribing, subscribing to that. But also, you know, the idea of maybe homeschooling, free schooling, all that kind of jazz, and um, educating a child in life skills, rather than what Sokotoa means, or trig, you know, unless you're going to be an accountant or, or something, I don't know, just very arbitrary things are being taught, which once upon a time, if you were a clerk or in a clerical position, which was, you know, hugely admired as, as something to do, as the one who could read in the family, um, now that's not so, not so prevalent. I think now um, it's more a case of uh, programming is the new clerical age thing to do. Um, or become a social media influencer. Same thing, same thing, not really. So pulling back into into the idea of, of living tenaciously, um, especially with the definition, let me just pull that up again, persisting in existence. So being human, you know, basically we exist and we do things in the amount of time we've been given out of how many gajillion, you know, sperms and eggs that decided to kind of clash into each other and make us. Um, the probability of us existing is very, very small, and yet here we are. So we get given X amount of time to do Y amount of things. And I've always felt that um, it's really, really important to learn as much as you can about a huge amount of things. Like, you know, the whole reason why Google exists is for the curious mind. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I heard that from a uh, talk at... A place and a thing. What is it called? I've forgotten who they are, and I even wanted to sign up with them. Anyway, irrelevant. They might pop up halfway through this, and if I say a random name, that's why. But um, the reason why Google came into existence was for the curious mind. You know, people who wanted to figure out things and ask things, and and that's why um, now, when you search things, um, you can ask Google pretty much anything because the algorithm is mostly designed for questions not, you know, blue Volkswagens or this or that or something very matter of fact. It is ever developing, you know, AI and everything sits behind it to figure out trends, um, what you might think of looking for next. I don't know if you've ever done that. So I was looking at an Ottoman bed uh, last night because I, I, I'm I'm in the, in the market for finding a, a new bed frame. I don't want to just get any old bed frame. I'm very much kind of specifically looking for specific a specific bed. And I put in, you know, Ottoman bed, and I was looking through things. And then I think I wrote um, different kinds of, and then it finished off with Ottoman bed sizes. And I was just like, mm, okay. And then kind of went down a rabbit hole down there. So being curious, you know, Google does the curious thing. It, being human, you know, we have hope that keeps us up every day or wakes us up every day and, and makes us go and do the things. Because if you don't have hope, what's the point in doing anything? 
Um, and, you know, that way depression lies and the big black dog and, you know, just very downward spiral ending of existence kind of stuff happens. So we have hope. And then there's curiosity, the the drive, the will to want to see, be, do, feel everything or as much as we can with the life that we have. So that is really important. And then not really subscribing to the idea of when you get knocked down, that's where you should be. You know, just because you are where you are doesn't mean you have to stay there, which is really, really important, really important to take on. So that goes for jobs, that goes for living circumstances, that goes for personal standards of yourself and others. You know, if you're dating a whole bunch of really bad humans, and I say bad, they're not bad, they're just misinformed, you know, um, less than compatible humans. Uh, you can change that, you know, you can address why do you attract people who are broken who seek a fixer? Why do you attract um, super party animals when you just want a nice homebody and cook food with, you know, these kind of things? Same with yourself, like why do you go out and do these things that don't serve you anymore? It's all about looking back into yourself and figuring out, ah, there's this habit, there's this habit, there's this thing, there's that thing, and these things are no longer me because we do change. It's really important to accept that we change. Think about, you know, if you're in your 30s or 40s right now, imagine five-year-old you, very adorable, very cute, probably a little bit annoying. Imagine 10-year-old you, Miss Know-It-All, Mr. Know-It-All, Mr. Goes Out and Gets Really, Really Dirty and Doesn't Really Care. Then imagine 15-year-old you, thinks that they don't need their parents anymore, then brutally realizes that they do. Then you imagine 18-year-old you who's like finally so glad to leave, you know, the nest of the parents, or if you're like me, you got chucked out at the age of 14, so that kind of got fast-forwarded. Um, and then 21-year-old you, especially if you're in America, because that means you can drink. It's crazy how you can drive, you know, a one-ton vehicle, death machine, at the age of 15, 16, or 14, if you're in Alabama, which is a, a farm state, but you can't drink alcohol until you're 21. And then obviously, because you're at uni and you're 21, you do all sorts of turny, terrible things. And, um, you know, it's, it's, eh, it's a little bit weird. Whereas, you know, in the UK and Europe and stuff, we drink from the age of 18. So by the time we're 21, either we are complete and utter tearaways, or we've chilled out a little bit. I was the former, still going strong. And then, you know, as time goes by, you know, things change. And when you hit whatever you're at now, you know, if you're mid-20s, if you're 30, mid-30s, 40, 50, wherever you are, things change. Now, the idea of diving into nightclubs on a Friday evening and being chewed up and spat out on a Monday morning, hungover AF, going to work... When you're kind of a bit older, probably isn't so attractive, right? Maybe it still is. I don't know who you are. If you're still a party animal, you should come see me, DJ. Seriously, I'm amazing. Humble brag. But um, yeah, you've, you've got this kind of aspect of things. So times change and we need to accept that we change, but that still doesn't detract from the fact that we should and can always be curious because being curious is fun. Right? Being curious about everything is fun. Being curious about your body is fun and important, um, for one, because we only have one body and we should be incredibly curious about it and we should nurture it and always have it as a number one priority over everything else. Literally, 
You can fight me about that. I will win <laughs> because if you don't look after your body, everything else falls by the wayside. Literally, it th- there's no contest there. You know, your your brain, yes. Your mind, rather, not your brain, although that counts. Your mind, yes. Um, your body and your mind are inter- interconnected, and they should both be looked at at the same time. But if you physically are unable to go do things with your able body, if you do have a, you know, physically... Um, if you have physical diversity, then, you know, you have to do what you can with what you have. That's it. And thankfully, there's technology in the world that's helping people who are physically diverse um, move into spaces that would otherwise be restricted to them. So that's amazing. And people still, you know, address that and move forwards. So curiosity with the ability for your body to do what needs to be done is super important, which will lead me into a story. I'd like to tell you a little story about how I got the scar in my left eyebrow. Now, if you have ever met me in person, you've probably never, ever noticed that I actually have a scar going through my left eyebrow. Um, For me, it's very much there. It's very prevalent. Um, I find eyebrows, just anyway, eyebrows are very difficult to pencil in, you know, being... um, female identifying there's this whole makeup thing which is a thing and sometimes I try it and I feel like an absolute doofus and other times I just go over the top and it's like yeah whatever people know it's meant to be cartoon face so it's fine um but trying to find that delicate balance where like you know if you're gonna do like the boy brow or whatever there are literally zero follicles on certain parts of my left eyebrow due to the scar tissue from my my brilliant my Brazilian what my brilliant scar so That scar uh, happened because yours truly was actually a bit of an avid skier as a child. So every Easter, kind of March time, um, my parents would take me to Switzerland and we'd go stay at the Club Med in San Moritz. I think it was San Moritz. It definitely wasn't Gestad. San Moritz, probably. Um... And we'd go skiing out there. And I obviously got chucked into like the, the kids' ski club. And because I am a hyperactive being, um, I did quite good. And I got fairly kind of uh, competent in my skiing. And this was the early 90s, probably like 92 or something. Um, and uh, I kind of reached a point where I started wanting to do things myself rather than having to hold the hands of my parents all the time. I really wanted to kind of go out on my own and do what the big kids were doing because I was... I think this happened when I was six, must have happened when I was six. And um, there's this, there's there's two ways you can kind of go up to the top of a piece. Do you have the big uh, ski lifts where you sit in basically a big old park bench and there's a little thing that goes over your lap so you don't fall out of um, the lift and it takes you up and your feet are not touching the floor. So you're elevated and you get to go past, past the trees and see the views and all that kind of jazz. Then you get taken to the top of the piece and you kind of slide off and then you can go down whatever grade you were going down now I think we were on the more junior piece or you know just just ones that didn't require the big old lift so we had uh the t-bar so the t-bar the crudest way for me to describe a t-bar is basically an upside well an anchor if it was upside down it'd be like an umbrella an anchor right, that you use in ships. So you've got, you know, your horizontal piece and then you've got your two bits that go out so two people can go on one T-bar. Um, and then you have your ski, your, your uh, what are the pokey things called? I can't remember. 
Anyway, you've, you've got your pokey things and you, sh- and you have them in the middle between two people. Your feet are very firmly on the floor um, and you basically are assisted ski lifted up to the top of this piece. So we were doing these a few times. I can't remember what grade slope I was on, but it was it was a little bit higher than what I should be doing because I was a fairly competent skier, as, as I said. And um, big-headed Shiggy McShiggerson decided, you know what, I want to do this on my own because that's what I do. So I uh, told my dad, my stepdad, uh, no, I want to do it on my own. And at this time, my mother wasn't skiing because she'd had a huge... Um, knee reconstruction surgery so she was hobbling about through the snow just you know in boots and a big old mechanical knee support brace thing um and uh crutches as well (laughs) poor thing so that that's tenacious in and of herself she's just an unrelenting human always has been so is my dad um in I'm starting to sound like him. And she was at the top. She was, you know, she wanted to take pictures of me going on my own. She was just like, yeah, let her do it. She's fine. She's fine. Always encouraging me to be the big girl. And uh, I was ahead of my dad. So I went on a T-bar ahead of him and he was behind me. And I was excited. And I was like, yay, this is amazing. And I'm on my own. Then I had a lapse of concentration. And if you know anything about skis, if you don't, there's an episode in South Park that talks about this, pizzas versus uh, French fries. So, um, when you French fry, imagine two straight French fries next to each other. That's the way your ski should be. Cause that's you going forwards or going faster or whatever. And then imagine a wedge of pizza where you have the skis facing into each other, like a wedge, like a triangle. That's how you slow down and or stop. There's another stop where you kind of, you know, scoot to the side type of thing. Um, but it wasn't, you don't really need to do that, especially in this situation. You definitely don't want to do that. So I was going up, I was excited. I saw my mum turning from a tiny little pea into more of a human as I got closer to the top. And super excited me, forgot the rest of my body. I was up in my head going, mom, look at me, look at me, just taking photos. And there's kind of this happiness. And then I don't know if there was ever pictures of this, but I just remember happiness and then, oh shit, because I looked down and my skis had kind of toppled over each other into a a gridlocked pizza and one second I'm like oh shit next second my legs are kind of being pulled back next second I'm face planting the snow and I wasn't with anyone I was on my own on this t-bar there was no adult next to me um and my dad was behind me so I didn't have my my pokey things I still can't remember what they're called uh and face planted and started sliding down this piece because you know it's not it's not horizontal is fairly vertical um and I think the skis pinged off or one pinged off and then one stayed on or whatever I just remember kind of being terrified absolutely screaming the house down kind of uh, going through my dad's legs uh, my dad couldn't reach me and then I was just seeing white black white black white black white black and then I don't remember anything so from this point on the this is the recollection from my dad my mum um kind of putting it together for me and retelling the story over years and years and years until it's kind of become what it is now. So, um, yeah, yours truly is a passed out, uh, human child falling down this, this mountain. Cause you know, she's, she's lost all control through the T-bar sliding in between everyone's legs. Everyone's panicking, lifting their legs up or whatever, whatever. Some people trying to grab me, but they couldn't. So they fall off their respective T-bar. The T-bar is still going because I was, not too far away from the top. Um, you know, I, I was within reach of my mum, kind of, if you were walking. So I had a long way to go down. And I kept going down, 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 down. And um, 
I think I regained consciousness at one point, and there was a snowboarder who lifted his snowboard up to let me slide underneath him, but I regained consciousness at the worst possible time, so my face interfaced with his snowboard. And it's the early 90s, so they're not the sleek, amazing kind of fiberglass things of beauty that they are now. Um, this one, I think, I don't know, they said metal was used, so maybe had like a reinforced rugged edge to it. That was probably a little bit not 100%, so um, it sliced my eyebrow open. Nice. And kept on going down, and now there's just claret everywhere. I'm a bleeder, okay? Like, I can have a tiny little... Um, cut on me and I will just bleed profusely because apparently um, that's what I do. Same with injections. Everyone's like, yeah, no, you won't bleed. And then I always have to have a plaster and then they have to replace the plaster because I just, I just, I want to give my blood away to everybody. Um, but I can't give blood because I have low red blood cell count. Yay. Anyway, I digress. So I am now turning uh, this lovely piece into a red beginning of a Henri Matisse, I don't know, sculpture, painting, something, maybe a uh, Picasso. Um, and then I reach the the hut, the the T-bar hut where it all started and everyone's kind of surrounding around me. And my mother is at the top freaking the fuck out. Like I've made this an explicit po podcast, I can swear now. Um, she's freaking the fuck out. Now remember, I told you she has no skis. She can't ski. She can't do anything. Oop, I should have muted that. Bad shaglet. Um, so she's trying to, like, with crutches going through fresh powder, like, go down this freaking mountain, right? It's it's madness. And one of the family friends, uh, the guy comes up and he's like, get on my back. And she's like, are you sure? He's like, you have to come see your daughter. You have to come. Ezra's already gone down. Um, and she's like, fine. And she's on his back and he's shaking. And she's trying to get information out of him. And he's not really saying anything because he's trying to get both of them down safely. And he's, you know, quite a competent skier, clearly being able to take my mom on his back, you know, crutches in her hand and, and ski back down to the to the hut. Um, so I'm, you know, passed out, whatever. There's a crowd of people around me. And she, you know, mother tears through everyone. Get, get away from my child, blah, 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 blah. Um, and there's a flap of skin that's gone over my eye. It's swelling, it's covered in blood, whatever. Everyone thought I lost my eye because it's so close to the eye socket. If it had been, oh, what, four, five millimeters lower, I would not have left eye. I would not be able to see, you know, and I thank whoever the hell is looking after me that that is not the case. So um, with... Uh, what happened next? Ah, yes. So we had private healthcare, thankfully, and I got heli vacked, uh, heli ambulance, whatever, uh, to to a hospital. And apparently, I was in and out of consciousness, you know, screaming for my mom when she held my hand and went back to sleep or whatever. I vaguely remember once screaming and was in a weird place, but I saw my mom and I couldn't really focus on anything else. And it was really, really loud. And then that was that. And then I kind of flashed to the next time. So that coincides with that happening. And then I was on the surgeon's table and they stitched up my face, basically. Um, I woke up again and all I remember is bright lights and then freaking out and then screaming for my mother. And then my mom's hand kind of reached out and she had um, her trademark rings and stuff on her and she grabbed my hand and I'm like, okay, cool. And I went back to sleep again. Oh, intense. Um, 
So I don't have times for these. I don't know what window of time this all happened. Um, and I regained consciousness. And I do remember this waking up in the hotel bed with my mom and going, mom, what time is it? And she's like, oh, it's 10.30. And I'm like, what day is it? And she's like, oh, it's Wednesday. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to miss the plane. We need to get home. We need to go now, 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 now. And I remember just feeling groggy and just like out of it, like what's happened? And she's like, no, it's okay. It's been a week. And basically I was out of it for 10 days, you know, since the accident to then. 10 days, completely out of it. No recollection of anything. I recall that. And I just kept on touching my face going, why does it hurt? Why does it hurt? And then she explained, you were in an accident and you fell. And it just, nothing kind of made sense to me. But um that's what happened. And, you know, fast forward about a month uh, later, I didn't have uh, those newfangled stitches where they dissolve. I had to have them taken out. And there's lots of uh, congealed blood and everything. And it, it was it was fun. Um, and those being taken out in Kenya by Dr. Dogra was, uh, I still remember his name, was the most painful experience I've ever had the misfortune of having. And I do not will that on my worst enemy because it's your eyebrow which is super sensitive and it's right in front of your brain. So your nerve endings aren't exactly traveling far for you to kind of dull down the experience. It is right there live and in your face. Um, and I hated it so, so much. And it was 16 stitches and every single stitch felt like it took an hour to be removed. And then he had to like pull the blood off, like do congealed blood and everything and clean it up. And, you know, good news was that the tissue stuck back together and, you know, everything was there. I didn't quite have movement of my eyebrow for a while and I had to do eyebrow exercises, which is why um, if you ever see me on video sometimes and I feel like being a bit goofy, I have very animated eyebrows because I had to do eyebrow yoga basically to re-establish um, movement in my left eyebrow and my eye um, as well because if I hadn't, then I probably would have a semi- lazy eyebrow or something. I don't know, something like that. Um, but through all of that, you know, I didn't make a fuss or anything about it. Thankfully, my vision wasn't affected. Um, and the reason why I share that story is A, because it's a fun story to share, but also B, you know, um, it's good to kind of reach out and do things and just learn from them. So my parents freaked out after that thing and they were just like, you are not skiing again. So my holidays, instead of being like skiing, turned into beach things and and, and all that stuff, which I'm, I'm not mad about. Like Kenya's great for, for beachy things and stuff. Um, but later on in life, I did start kind of doing dry snowboarding to try and get over the phobia that I now have. Like snow is great. I'm just not a fan. And that's probably because of the hugely traumatic experience I had at the age of six. Um, so that's fun and scary and super lucky. And I thought I'd share that with you um, in The Art of Being Tenacious because, you know, we have to keep on going forwards. It's really important that you just keep on going forwards and make mistakes. Mistakes are really important, which takes us to the last bit. So revisiting the definition again and going to a different dictionary, because different dictionaries are fun. Um, the definition of tenacious, the 2A version here from the Merriam-Webster 
dictionary says uh, definition of tenacious persistent in maintaining adhering to or seeking something valued or desired um, for example as tenacious advocate of civil rights or tenacious negotiators so I mentioned a moment ago um, that taking and doing and moving forwards from mistakes is really 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 important and um, the snow the, the skiing example I, I gave because um, one it's fun two it's my scar so whenever you see me now you can think about that and three I respected my parents wishes for me not to go back on the snow but I took up skateboarding instead because it's kind of the same but different you know still have your toe side heel side movements and I really wanted to get into snowboarding, but they were just like, no chance. So, you know, I kind of took a lesser of two evils and I persisted, constantly persisted. Like if you've ever tried skateboarding, trying to get your first ollie is probably on par with getting laid for the second time. I don't, I, I don't know where that was going, but um, basically like it, it's, uh, that, that's a terrible example. Scratch that. It's, it's a lot of dedication, a lot of time, just a lot of blind persistence, just being tenacious as hell because you are trying to get an ollie. Same with skiing, snowboarding, you know, it's a skill that you're learning and you're really trying to kind of get through. And even when you get through, that getting through isn't an end goal, it's a con constant increasing incremental um, buildup of skills and confidence and capacity and capability of you as a human. And sports things are really easy um a really easy avenue in trying to tap into that and a lot of people use sports and they use you know war and and being military and militant and everything to kind of tap into this as well if you've ever seen any quote unquote inspo memes is it memes or memes memes sounds weird i'm gonna call it memes because i can um but any images on the internet where they have some weird virtue signaling, signaling, <laughs> signaling, they have some weird virtue signaling quote uh, in front of some maybe uh, samey image or abstract image or whatever. You know, one that really annoys me, which is actually physiologically incorrect, is um, sweat is fat leaving the body. It's a lie. If you believe that, please, human being who's hearing this, hear me as a fitness professional, actually certified, I'll just point that out, that is physiologically impossible. You do not have adipose leaving your sweat glands on your skin. Can you imagine yourself if you sweated profusely and then you got really cold and then you just had like a layer of lard on your skin? Like, that's disgusting. And also not possible because that is not how human bodies work and we would get so utterly sick if that happened. I mean, imagine the clogged pores for one, but I digress. So with with all of this, you know, the militant mind, the kind of warrior spirit, the this, that, the other, it all kind of pulls back to an individual's ability to roll with the punches, you know? Ooh, that's my deadline, but I'm going to go over it because I can. Um, so yeah, we, we need to, in, in life, because life doesn't have a field manual, right? And there's no set plays. We don't really have, um, you know, a coach. You can get a life coach and, you know, that that is a thing to help us kind of figure life out. But if you're playing like hockey or football or something, you have a coach on the side that helps you. And in the game of life, we don't really have that. We can self-reference and it's really good to self-reference 
and to self-educate and to um, address trauma that we have in our past. And all of us do have some forms of trauma that we kind of can take on board, look at, take apart and move forwards with and, you know, try to strive to be a better human, you know, for the sake of curiosity. Curiosity is key. And um, tenacity sits in that. So even if you're sitting there going, I'm not a tenacious human being, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you're listening to this, the fact that you are existing every day to do something, even if that something is sitting in your Spider-Man onesie, crocheting a beanie out of cashmere wool and binge watching billions, that's not what I do. It's what I do. I love it so much. Um, It's fine. You know, you are doing something, you are moving forwards and... The less fear we have around the idea of fucking up, the better. You know, I always look at a mistake as a missed take. You know, you, you did the take thing and it didn't work out so well. So, you know, you missed it. it. It didn't quite work out so well. So you look at it, you assess what happened, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fugly, and you pull it back together and then you just try again. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with fucking up and then just learning how to fail better and eventually those failures um failure again is a construct that doesn't really exist but you know not quite hitting the mark you can reassess that and then move forwards and that's really really key so everybody is tenacious it doesn't matter what you're doing in life um your ability to move forwards is super super important and something you should never ever forget um you person who's listening to this i love you Thank you so much for listening to this. This has been episode three, uh, a little bit out there because I'm not in my comfy seat in my bedroom. I'm in the living room and Icarus has just laid himself upon me because the sun is now on my lap and that's where he shall be. And yeah, that's all I got for today. Um, I already got a plan for the next episode because I have to go hit Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I haven't been for 10 days. It's been terrible. I'm such a bad human being. But yeah. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another long episode. I think this is just how it's going to be until I figure out something else. Um, You should be able to get these episodes all over the place. They start off on Anchor and then they propagate onto uh, iTunes, onto Google Podcasts, onto Spotify, onto, I think, Outcast or something. I think it's on Podbean as well. Basically anywhere out there there's also an rss feed if you're so inclined to add that to your podcastingies these will be out every wednesday at 6 p.m uk time um that changes from bst to gmd but basically i live in london uk so whatever time six o'clock in london is in your part of the world that's when these are out also uh you can find me on facebook shiggy pector or shigamus is me um i sometimes do live streams of my podcasts so there's some behind the scenes kind of stuff and we have conversations in there you might want to do that um and ask me questions if you want to send me an email about anything you're more than welcome to email hi shiggy at shiggy.co.uk so it's h-i-s-h-i-g-g-i dot c-o that let me repeat that again. This is a one take thing. So, hi Shiggy, H I S H I G G I at shiggy.co.uk. <laughs> we got there in the end. Woo. Um, and then Instagram, L Shig. I think it's going to be on YouTube, or whatever. Like, this is, this is a work in process. It's all about um, 
getting this out first. So it's on Anchor FM first. It propagates everywhere else. If it's not on your um, podcast platform, let me know and I can add it because I'm a slight wizard in that sense. I have spoken so much today. It's ridiculous. Anyway, love your faces. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you're enjoying the stories. Any feedback is always welcome. And I shall see you all next Wednesday. Okay now. Bye-bye then.